Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Last night we did get into uh, the inflation story, which was still over 8%. It was 8.3% according to the government's highly manipulated uh, numbers, the CPI. They had predicted uh, that it was going to be lower than that, but it's, it is it is like a fraction of a uh, – like two-tenths two of a percent lower than it was last month. But according to Fox but Business – You should explain to the listener. Does that mean that inflation stopped going up because it's different from last month? Uh, no, inflation is continuing to uh, to go up. That's a good point, Bonnie. Yep. Yeah, because so it's just comparing the rate of inflation from – April 2021 to the rate of inflation to in April 2022. Correct. Uh, I mean, it is not up as as much, but just barely. I mean, we're talking about a very small statistical number here. Uh, it has not gone into the double digits like the producer price index has done. And according to the uh, Fox Business report here, that number, I guess, came out today looking at the month of April. Producer price index is not just in the double digits. It's at 11% for April. Now, again, that's quote-unquote down if you compare it to March's 11.2%. But a very, very small difference there. And still, that is not going to make anyone feel good when they go and pay prices at the store. Last night, we did get into uh, the inflation story, which was still over 8%. It was 8.3%, according to the government's highly manipulated uh, numbers, the CPI. They had predicted uh, that it was going to be lower than that, but it's, it is it is like a fraction of a, uh, like two, ten- two tenths of a percent lower than it was last month. But according to Fox but- Business... You should explain to the listener. Does that mean that inflation stopped going up because it's different from last month? Uh, no, inflation is continuing to uh, to go up. That's a good point, Bonnie. Yep. Yeah, because so it's just comparing the rate of inflation from April 2021 to the rate of inflation to in April 2022. Correct. Uh, I mean, it is not up as as much, but just barely. I mean, we're talking about a very small statistical number here. Uh, it has not gone into the double digits like the producer price index has done. And according to the uh, Fox Business report here, that number, I guess, came out today looking at the month of April. Producer price index is not just in the double digits. It's at 11% for April. Now, again, that's quote-unquote down if you compare it to March's 11.2%. But a very, very small difference there, and still that is not going to make anyone feel good when they go and pay prices at the store. When they started regulating everything in sight and licensing everything and asking and requiring permission slips for everything in sight, how, at what point did that make anything better for anybody? People have been taking that lying down. That's probably one of the most, if you want to strike at the root of tyranny, that is probably one place you should start, and it's regulatory capture and licensing and people don't i don't think people realize how important it is to defy that and you know throw that on the coals let it burn a little bit it's just like boring 
legalese documents to them instead of like, oh, we oppose abortion being illegal. You know, that's something it exciting doesn't have for the people. Sizzle, yeah, is what yeah. you're saying. But I, I completely agree that it's one of the most important things. Yeah, well, and this comes to uh, something I did this afternoon. I was on a panel discussion about CBDCs, aka the central bank digital mm. currency. And that's a that's an idea that they've been tossing around for the last couple of years, and it seems to be getting more serious. They're issuing more reports, more boring uh, paperwork about this stuff. And it's just so many people in this sector take regulation for granted as though, well, that's just the way it's got to be. We've got to yeah. do our know your customer. We've got to jump through all these hoops. And uh, it doesn't help. All it does is it helps the established business owners protect them from competition. That's what it does every time, whether we're talking about the SEC regulating quote-unquote securities. Are you guys a uh, pro-antitrust? Because if you recall in history, you know, the turn of the century, and I think that, you know, Theodore Roosevelt was famous for this, but there were a lot of very destructive monopolies that were broken up by Congress. Uh, which led to a lot of healthy competition. Of course, you have Bell Telephone. That's a more recent example, uh, which I, in my lifetime I noticed uh, a, a big change for the better. Do you guys support any kind of congressional be, uh, action on, say, breaking up? I know big tech is one of those things that's been discussed, but I never heard Republicans really go all the way with trying to break them up, uh, especially when you know Trump was in power and they had a little more clout in no, Congress. We- We've talked about this on the air before, at least me and Ian. I don't know if Matt was on this show, but we've talked about how uh, Apple shouldn't have been forced to be broken up. I don't think that any company Apple was be... broken up? Wasn't it Apple or another iPhone? Mac? Or I don't know how they... I don't recall that. We talked about that before with, I think, Chris Wade. Hmm. Uh, uh, I, I can give you my two cents yeah, on please. it. Yeah, uh, please. Uh, no, I, I don't think... The, I think the Sherman Antitrust Act is a horrible thing. Um. And here's why I've all it did was break up a gigantic monopoly into tiny little segments of itself, all still owned by the same people. There are still things that people consider monopolies and there's extreme amounts of uh, regulation now. Why not just not feel like you have to meddle with everything? And, you know, why do you think one person or one group of people can just figure out exactly how it how it needs to work better than the people who are doing business with these companies. Right. And if you want to look at in a modern day real world setting, more and more popular now, people want to get food that they know where it came from. They don't want to get chicken from Tyson. They want to get it right. from the farm down the road. But the chicken from Tyson is $1.99 a pound. But the chicken from down the road, it's free range organic. I know where it comes from. He's charging eight ninety nine a pound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah, like. But he he's required by law his little tiny operation to move all of his chicken through a state inspector processing plant that's, you know, prohibitively expensive for him to do. Mm-hmm. And all the licensing and the nutrition facts. And now all this stuff is stuff that the that Tyson, they've got a trillion dollar payroll they can get people With to tons handle. Of attorneys. They yeah. have live they literally have USDA people, FDA people who live at the plant. Uh, the mm-hmm. little guy down the road can't afford to do that. So again, we're just running into more government regulation, making it harder and harder for us as consumers to get what we really want in the name of somehow protecting us. Well, I, I think you guys touched on it, but it deserves uh, reiteration. That is that the regulations are written by the existing players. 
it only makes sense for the monopoly because they get to exclude other competitors from the marketplace. And this is what I wanted to come back to before you you make whatever your next point was going to be. When you go back and you look at the oil uh, standard oil, uh, from my understanding, and I've not deeply studied this particular issue, but from my understanding of that time, this was as close as someone could come to a non-government enforced monopoly. Natural and, monopoly. Yeah, and it was done through, and this is very unusual because usually when you get a monopoly, it's because they're being enforced by the state. They're, I, the state I know is, of one instance of successful socialism in the world ever, and I know of one instance of a of a, of a monopoly that didn't commit suicide mm-hmm. in the world. Socialism, the success story was Libya, but that guy was a nutcase, 100%, and, uh, and uh, was on borrowed time as it was. And the successful story of Monopoly, which still exists as far as I know, is a company that makes glasses frames in Italy. Hmm. And if you see glasses frames, it's, there's a good chance that they were made at that factory in Italy. The fact is, they just turn out a great product, always have. They keep their prices where people can afford them. They don't, they don't mess around with uh, you know, uh, any uh, exorbitant pricing or anything like that. So people can actually get them. They'll stay, they'll, they're just an extremely popular company that naturally edges out all competition early on with trains and of course with with uh, oil and the communications you know having a lot of different companies competing buying land laying down track laying down infrastructure is chaotic and it's just not tenable you know in the beginning if it's not tenable they won't do it no but they will i mean you're talking about you know competition for you know profits but they're not considering the uh, you know how it's actually going to work in the long run for the better betterment of the country. In other words, you know infrastructure that's all broken apart where training lines who? don't. Yeah, there's no such thing lines. as the betterment of the country. Something well, is better for some people, I mean, something's you, worse for others. It's impossible for anything to be better for anyone else other than like air existing, and nobody's going to be able to control no, that. The, the, Look, there's something called city planning for a reason. Like there are yeah, reasons and it's dumb why and it ruins people's <laughs> lives. City planning exists just to give bureaucrats a job, dude. Look, you know, you're talking about, like I said, if you're talking about trains that have, you know, tracks that have never been laid down, you're talking about infrastructure. You know, the train tracks in New York City were private originally, right? That's what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that that was not a good thing because you literally had tracks ending. No, because they didn't want people transferring to their competitors' train lines, so they would deliberately make the trains inaccessible to each other. So well, whoever made the sense. trains the crappiest and like not connected to their uh, other competitors would eventually die in the marketplace because people wouldn't want to use those trains. And then their assets forced. to be sold to the the highest bidder. From wherever you're standing as technology investors, the problem that is government issued currency is kind of solved on a technical level. Because um, the default minimum of exchange has been bytes for a number of decades, and the unit of account, at least from a technology perspective, is simply an interface function. And so what you store your value in is typically a basket of things, right? So I wouldn't recommend that anybody keeps all their value in Bitcoin or all their value in real estate, and obviously not all your value in a fiat currency. So point of being is, this is one of those technical realities that's not evenly distributed yet. and. Roger Ver, that we talked about this morning, coined this term money over IP, I think very early on, and I've been in voice of IP for a very long time. And so the point there being is we don't put stamps on emails and neither do I pay for this phone call right now that I'm using um, Lindphone for, right? So mm-hmm. we got we did away with like the National Telecom that got to meet you 
by the minute using um, the, the old phone system. But in a way, we are still maintaining the situation when it comes to money. So money, for the most part, is just bytes. And moving bytes around should be free, right? You don't put stamps on your email either. I tend to agree. Um, although we've seen in the world of cryptocurrency, there is a small fee involved in sending those bytes from one point to another, and that's because of the miners, usually, that are involved in making sure that that process is secure. You're pointing out that Bitcoin is just the first application of blockchain technology, and that, of course, involves uh Keys, meaning that you have a, a set of keys, one is public, one is private, and the private key allows you access to that Bitcoin wallet. But as you touched on there, there are other applications for this technology that we're really just beginning to scratch the surface of as far as letting people explore these other areas. We don't yet have deeds to houses on the blockchain yet, but that is something that has long been talked about. Of course, it would require some government to We basically give up control. have the... Uh, ability to do that with like the same technology people use for NFTs, right? So basically, we already yes. have that, but mm-hmm. maybe people aren't. No doing one's it. Al- no one has applied the technology to that particular. Yeah, the use. beginnings of that were there specifically where there's no infrastructure. So uh, either the infrastructure was destroyed for those titles, mm-hmm. where the paperwork um, was destroyed, and so we won't have it before those other countries, the kind of uh, developing nations, will. Um, will deploy those. I actually wrote an article about this a little while ago. Yeah, that's interesting that a developing nation is going to go that way before places like the United States because the government's so entrenched in those areas. I mean, the county registrar of deeds is not going to let go of their monopoly. I mean, Mm -hmm. they are going to fight tooth and nail. The Mm -hmm. union's going to get involved, and they're going to do everything they can to stop any kind of uh, technological advance. Some of you may remember the uh, the the siege and attack on Ruby Ridge uh, back in the what was in the nineties. Yep, uh, where the ATF showed up and shot a bullet through the head of a woman who was standing there holding her baby, and shot a fourteen year old boy in the back. Your babies look like guns, so I'm sure the yeah, agent so that, that was shot a, it her was an assault baby. It was a high capacity <laughs> assault child. Yeah, and didn't they end up promoting that guy? That killed that yes, woman? his the 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 shooter's name was Lon Harry uh, Horiuchi. Mm-hmm. Lon Horiuchi was also president. The Waco shooting, and when the women and children ran screaming from their burning church, he shot them in the back, just like he shot Sammy. Uh, wow, Sammy uh, Weaver in the back. Fourteen-year-old boy shot his dog and then shot him in the back as he ran away. And a sniper, so from a distance, right? Uh, I don't, there's no way to tell how close he was. Uh, the idea was Sammy was walking through the woods with his dog, mm-hmm. happened on some strange men hiding in his woods and ran away. Turns out the ATF were uh, surveilling and keeping the mm. their house under siege. Uh, they did. They weren't aware of it yet. Sammy caught onto it, ran towards the house, and got shot in the back. Oh my God. Because ATF uh, people are just murderous dirtbags, 100%. Why stop. were they... Being uh, watched in general, why were the ATF on to them for something? So apparently, uh, I can't remember exactly how it went, but Randy was asked basically by an FBI dirtbag or an ATF dirtbag, they're all the same, um, to make a short-barreled shotgun. Good friend to Liberty, Jordan Vinro. Um, he has a company called JSD Supply. 
jsdsupply.com. I'm going to plug them. Uh, never have before, but I feel I should, even though if you go to jsdsupply.com right now, uh, you can't see anything. The site is shut down, basically, with a message to the customers on the front. Mm. JSD Supply, let's see. ATF came to our offices and warehouse to serve a cease and desist letter regarding the selling of certain gun parts. Mm. So JSD Supply is an 80% firearms seller. And Meaning they sell a piece of metal. Yeah, or plastic. Yeah. Yeah, pieces of metal and plastic that are absolutely 100% totally okay, good to go. You can have those. Uh, the ATF is futzing around with uh, what their definition of firearm is these mm-hmm. days. They're you know changing if they don't like something, they just change the definition of it, and suddenly they call it a machine gun if it's a piece mm-hmm. of yeah. metal. Apparently, it's a, a bent up coat hanger. That's mm-hmm. a machine machine gun. So, uh, but JSD Supply has uh, a night like their job is to sell eighty percent parts, and you can buy the parts you need to make your own gun. Um, they also have a ton of files on their site for 3D printing stuff. If oh, you cool. just want to 3D print stuff, he's an activist. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a business, but it's also activism. You don't have to buy something there. You can just go to the files, download, wow. and download a 3D you know, file for 3D printing guns if you That's want awesome. to. We're going to build a brand new homeless shelter. You are? You're no, doing it all I mean, by yourself? Albert Cookie is. Who's helping you? Albert Cookie is. Well, the city is. Okay, so you're not going to be there laying brick or plumbing work or anything like that. No, she can't no, work. But they, no, but I mean, I have an input. I've been calling in. Of uh, well, anyway, they've been asking the homeless people of what they want in this place. So I've been trying to participate and give ideas also. All right, what's so one of your actually, ideas? What do you think that the new taxpayer-funded homeless shelter should have? Well, um. My first thing is those j- prison bunk beds that I've been complaining about with no side guards, and they mm-hmm. and they have no ladders. How about that? Mm. Oh my That's God. part of the punishment. So it, right so now, well, silly. It, didn't you tell us before that the current homeless shelter is a former jail that yeah. was repurposed? How are people getting right, up right. in these without the ladders? I don't think I could. It's hard to do it. Wait, they don't have the ladders oh, in no, jail? No. Right. Well, I mean, it sounds like... um. Are you kind of petite? Are you? Yeah, like, I'm really uh, short. I'm, I'm like five two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, could you imagine climbing up like a four foot bed up and down? No. Um, <laughs> Sounds oh impossible. God. And then, no, and then being so small. Um, and it's it's a way of punishing people for being in jail. You don't want to come back again. But they threw the homeless people on these bunk beds. I think that government probably incentivizes homelessness in the first place. By taxing people to death and regulating businesses to death, putting people out of business, encouraging people to get fired by things like minimum wage increases and all the regulations that increase the cost of doing business, putting people out on the streets, and then, of course, inflating the money supply to make it more and more difficult to actually buy the things that people need to to live life. It's getting more expensive to pay for rent. Rent's gone up in a lot of cases 30 or 40 percent just from last year. And then you've got, uh, in addition to that, the insane prices at the grocery store. So, I mean, there's there's going to be people driven out into the streets mm-hmm. because of these circumstances. But we can't I mean, have monopolies, Ian. No, That's why we not. need the government monopoly on yeah, violence. You're going back around <laughs> to uh, the previous caller earlier in the show uh, who called about monopolies. 
And I think she thought that was like his trump card to us for being pro free market. He was like, "Oh yeah, well, I've heard you guys are uh, pro free market. What do you guys think about monopolies? Ooh, mm-hmm. they have nothing to gotcha. say to that." Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> but he loves the government, which is you know maybe he doesn't. Maybe you know mischaracterizing the guy. Mm-hmm. He's not on the phone to defend himself. But you know the government is the number one giant monopoly. The you know the elephant in the we room. We didn't point that one out, but yeah, that's a good have. point. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, he's asking for a monopoly to end monopolies. The and state is the, the worst. Reason the monopoly exists. In yeah, the they're the place. worst monopoly. They're the ones you can't say no to. I've seen a lot of people on Facebook wondering why uh, so many gun people are talking about Roe v. Wade and what does abortion have to do with guns? Well, the reality is Roe v. Wade really never had anything to do with abortion, mm-hmm. and it had everything to do with removing states' rights and centralizing power and privacy. Right? I mean. Uh- they said that they were protecting privacy rights, right? Sure. That's what it's. It was ultimately. I don't know what you're like, about. I'll listen to it. I want to hear it. Um, I I think that the basis they tried to use for Roe v. Wade was that ultimately it came down to privacy rights because something I can't remember off the top of my head. I heard somebody talking about it. Hmm. Some kind of medical privacy thing. Yeah, but I don't think. The the Constitution actually doesn't say anything about privacy rights, but mm-hmm. the New Hampshire Constitution does. But uh, that's just a tangent. Mm-hmm. But the they said that I don't I don't remember off the top of my head. Sorry, okay. I thought no maybe worries. you guys would know something about it. No, I don't. Unfamiliar. But if you figure that out, I want to hear about it. Okay. Um. But uh. No. So um. Roe v. Wade. There's a lot of people confused about what guns have to do with abortion, and abortion really has nothing to do with Roe v. Wade. Was at the time, you had, you know, already in place in the gun world was the 1934 Gun Control Act, and then there was, or National Firearms Act, mm-hmm. and then in 1968, there was the Gun Control Act, both of which severely sh- restricted gun rights as America had always, always known them. Republicans talk a good game about guns, but when it comes down to it, they don't do jack diddly right. uh, to, I mean, look, Trump, right? Didn't he restrict bump stocks? Yes, he did. Right. Uh, so, Ronald, Ronald Reagan signed the 1986 Firearms, Firearms Owners Protection Act. Yeah. And during the times. Outlawed machine guns for regular people. Right. And don't forget that during the times when the Republicans were running the show from top to bottom, where they had the presidency and they had the legislature, they didn't do anything. But we're not talking guns. about legislation here. We're talking about Supreme Court action. Yeah, it just seems so, awfully... Uh, it's a little iffy, for sure. Religious to me, the idea that, oh, this great Supreme Court's yeah. going to come and rescue gun this, rights for the this, whole of the United States. This panel of people wearing black moo's That has historically done what is in the best interest of the state, not mm-hmm. the individual, Typically and not have. individual rights. Typically, have. so color me a skeptic on this one. Yeah, I'm going to remain skeptical too. But just to explain to people who are Roe v. Wade, you know, they're freaking out because mm-hmm. how come the gun people are in our abortion discussion? Well, that's that's why they're they're hoping against hope that sure more rights will be returned to the states, namely the Second Amendment, which is probably the one that has been beat on the most over the years repeatedly. A lot of these. Agreements for financial aid that law enforcement agencies sign with the federal government have a caveat of, hey, we buy you this piece of equipment, um, and when we want to use it, it kind of it's kind of ours, um, and they buy a lot of the federal government buys a lot of equipment for local agencies, mm-hmm. and on top of that, the federal government pays a lot of subsidies so that local agencies can have 
officers and deputies. So when you look at these, hey, we're not going to enforce your uh, evil gun laws or however they want to say it, their unconstitutional gun laws, the way that I read a lot of these contracts and the way a lot of these contracts have been portrayed to me, in a way, the federal government has a lot of local law enforcement salary guys. So it kind of, the way that I read it, the individual officers that salary is being subsidized, do they have the ability to say no without their salary getting cut? Yeah, you're right. Like the 1033 uh, program helped a lot of local um, law enforcement places get Bearcats. I don't know if Keynes was from that. Do you know, Ian? Uh, yeah, the federal government gave them a grant for that. And was it 1033? Because that- I don't know. I, I think 1033 is leftover military equipment. I'm reading a book by uh, Konkin. It's called like the Counter Counter Economy. And he just, for like two chapters, he talks about all these uh, different ways that the counter economy is working in different countries. And mm-hmm. it's even like in Cambodia during communism, during uh, Pol Pot, is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a counter economy selling all kinds of different goods. I yeah, mean, of course. you can't There's stop There's one in North stuff. Korea. Yep. Uh, by the way, since we since we talked about the Roe versus Wade babies and that sort of thing, pregnancies, I had something here from the Pfizer documents. You know, they've been releasing these documents that were supposed to be kept secret until something mm-hmm. like 2075. I haven't seen anything about that on MSNBC yet. Yeah, or I don't CNN. think you're going to, uh, because then they would have to tell you things like this. According to uh, expose-news.com, the confidential, formerly confidential, Pfizer documents that the FDA is forced to have been published uh, by a court order revealed that somewhere between 82 and 97% of women who were mistakenly exposed to the mRNA COVID-19 injection either suffered a miscarriage or suffered having to witness the death of their newborn child upon giving birth. So what's going on in Europe, Bonnie? According to CNN Business, Europe will will require... Sorry. Europe will require car makers to install speed limiters from 2022. Which we're in 2022. Wow. Okay. What do they want to limit it to? Europe's already limited to 155 miles per hour. So what do they want to limit it to now? Wow, cars. Never mind. I'll, I'll not ask that question. I was gonna say cars can go faster than that. Oh yeah. How much faster? How much? Uh, I think I think the Bugatti Veyron or the Bugatti Chiron is uh, is a 277 uh, mile per hour car. Okay, I can see that with like a Bugatti, but like, what about? Ian's RAV4, how fast do you think that uh, goes? 130. Hmm, okay. Just just wondering. But for, for cars that are meant to do it, I mean, they like Germany's full of AMG Mercedes. They, they're all capable of closing in on 200 miles per hour. Hmm. Yeah, what do they even have? What are they, They're going to have no reason to have the Autobahn anymore. <laughs> it doesn't say how fast uh, they're going to limit it to oh, here really? yet, I don't think. But it says new cars sold in Europe from 2022 will have to be fitted with systems to limit their speed. Mm-hmm. Under new safety rules agreed by the European Union, all new vehicles are required to have, quote, intelligent speed assistance systems as standard equipment. According to The Guardian in a report filed a couple of weeks ago, uh, free media in Hong Kong has now almost completely been dismantled. 
uh, by the government crackdown, clearing the market for an expanded pro-Beijing state-owned media sector, said a new report by UK-based advocacy group Hong Kong Watch came after their correspondence club announced it was suspending its human rights press awards because it didn't want to unintentionally violate the city's wide-ranging national security law imposed in 2020 by Beijing. The working environment for local and foreign journalists in Hong Kong has become increasingly difficult, said the report, detailing the widespread use of lawfare against journalists. You guys know what lawfare is, right? That's like using laws to wage war against people you don't like? Yeah, basically you bring lawsuits against people. Oh, lawfare. Yeah, you bring lawsuits against them and you just load them up with so much court stuff that they can't get anything done. Hmm. And they're just tied up forever in courts and now their new job is, is fighting in court. Uh, the federal government's kind of using that against uh, the host of this show, right. the Crypto 6 situation. Mm-hmm. Although in that case, it's criminal. Uh, in this case, it may or may not be. In library. That's basically sure, what library. library. LBRY.com tied up with the SEC for now four years, spending millions of dollars to try to defend that case. So uh, going after them with national security law, acts of imita- uh, intimidation and police violence, mass sackings, and government intervention or censorship of outlets. It noted the redefinition by police of who constitutes a journalist. You just heard highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. You can download full episodes, subscribe to our podcast, listen live and more, all for free at Free Talk Live dot com